Hello, hello. Wow, okay. It is great. It's great to be here in front of my people. Um, as it has been mentioned, I'm Jania. Um, I have the privilege of leading a life group, and it's just also an honor to stand before you guys and just to talk about some things that the Lord has revealed to me through his scripture, but also just the heart of who he is. And so as Free said, we are going to be in Acts um, verses 42 through 47. So if y'all wanna flip there or it'll be on the screen behind me so you can read along as I read out loud. Okay, so starting in verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Thank you, Jesus, for being a God who is more than willing to not only come to your children when we need you, but even more so when we want you. Thank you for being a God who adds on. Um, you are not exclusive, Lord, but you are open to all people as long as they want you, Jesus. And so thank you for filling this room, Holy Spirit. Tonight, I pray that you will enter the hearts of every person in this room because you are more than powerful of doing that. And so we honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. So we are gonna be in Acts 2. And yes, as Free said, he spoke first and then it was Bronson. And then we had Women Conference, which, okay, I just gotta say this real quick, just, just to be honest, I feel like I was done real dirty <laughs> because I had to come after Bronson and then I gotta come after a Women Conference, okay? And these people, like, they know Jesus, okay? So if I had to, like, put myself, I know I was hyped, but if I had to personally put myself up there, like, these people, they, like, NBA level, okay? I'm G League, okay? So y'all y'all be patient with me, all right? Have grace on me. If this goes great, praise God, my cash app is dollar sign Jania Flake. I will be taking tips. Um, if this goes poorly, well, y'all can go ahead and text free. His number is, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not going to get his number, but for real, um, I'm going to be speaking on acts. And so I'm going to kind of frame it in a question, kind of the question that's been happening, that's been being phrased in the past, but it is, how did a group who started with 120 transform the entire world in such a way that today, 2000 years later, it has transformed the lives of billions. How did a small group of people create the biggest revolutionary movement the world has ever seen? So at this point in scripture, um, it has been 50 days since the tomb was found empty, since death lost its sting, and since the victory was won. It's been 10 days since the only thing that the disciples knew, the one whom their souls loved, the one who their souls longed for, their Messiah, who had finally come to fulfill every Old Testament promise that they had desired and they loved, he came and he ascended back on his rightful throne where he sits at the right hand of the Father. And they find themselves at Shavuot. Now Shavuot is the Feast of Harvest, which occurred every year. It was 50 days after the Passover. And so what this was, was when all of the Jews, they would come to Israel, to Palestine, and they would bring their first fruits. And it was kind of just a way to celebrate all the things that the Lord had done for them. And so this is first seen in Exodus. It says, you shall keep the feast of harvest of the first fruits of your labor 
um, of what you sow in the field. Now, the reason it was the first fruits is because that was typically the best of the harvest, all right? So this, this ain't no goodwill, this ain't no great value, all right? Even though, praise God for all that, because broke college student, but rather this was the most costly prized possession that brought them the most joy and honor. And the Lord is asking them, he says in Deuteronomy, it says, behold, now I bring the first fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. So what is occurring right now in the lives of these men is that celebration and the remembrance of what the Lord has done for them is taking place and they are bringing their first fruits before them to remember all of the things that were like that occurred. And so this is happening in the helper the person that would bring back to remembrance all of the things that Jesus had done, the one that was promised them in John 14, he shows up, but he doesn't just show up. No, it is triumphant. And it is ironic the way that not only he shows up, but when he shows up. See the Holy Spirit, he fills the heart of 120 people during a celebration that was talked about the first fruits were given, right? So it's, it's everything that they have is given to him. The Spirit enters he creates in them a new covenant that is now written on their hearts because of the blood of Jesus. And so now they are, full, they are allowed full access and a personal relationship with God so much so that James says that of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we shall be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Okay, what does this mean? The first fruits that they have been bringing forth to him their entire lives because of the value that it meant to the Lord, they are now declared that. So they are now the value. They are now the best of the best. They are the most costly prized possessions that the Lord could ever have. And they are the ones who bring him the most glory. Like that is incredible. They are now declared that. Like they don't have to bring anything to him. They are what he wants. And so, that is one aspect that is happening. But let me tell you the other reality that's happening. The other reality is that they are still under Roman government and rule. Okay, let me tell you what this means. <laughs> this means that they are under one of the most intense, crucial, mockery, just hard empire that the world has ever seen. Like these people, just to give you a little context, not to scare you, just to give you context. Crucifixion, as we know, but this is the most agonizing, brutal way that anybody could die that the world has ever seen. Thank you, Jesus, for doing it for us. Y'all, people were burned alive in gold, which I don't know why we just out here wasting gold like this, but gold was, was burned down their throats. Okay, this is horrific. And yet this is the time that the Holy Spirit entered the lives of 120 men. And this is where we pick up in Acts 2. Okay, so starting in verse 42, it says, and they devoted, them, they devoted ooh, themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Okay, first question is, who is they? So we're gonna start there. Who is they? So we're gonna start in verse five for context because before the Bible was written, it was actually written as a um, letter. And so there were not chapters and verses. So sometimes we've gotta go back to get the full story of what is happening. So we are gonna go back to verse five and I'll just read it for you because it's not gonna be on the screen. But it says, now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this, 
sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own language? Jumping down to verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said that they are filled with new wine. Okay, so the they in this verse are devout Jews, meaning that they knew the scriptures, they knew the laws, they knew the practices of Old Testament covenant, but they were yet to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These men knew God, but they didn't have a personal relationship with God. See, when we are not in communion with God, we are left perplexed questioning how in the world can this be? Sometimes we even laugh at the idea of the supernatural because we do not understand it, but how can we understand somebody that we do not know? See, <laughs> when we are not in tune with the Spirit, the miraculous grace and mercy of Christ that brings evidential transformation seems nothing shy of unrealistic. And that is where these men found themselves. We cannot grasp the power of God that, when we cannot grasp, I'm sorry, when we cannot grasp the power of God that supersedes all understanding, we are forced to fit him into our logic. I'm gonna say it again. When we cannot grasp the power of a God that supersedes all understanding, we are forced to fit him into our logic and our logic is false, it is broken and it is confusing. Thank God my God does not fit into my logic. And so they, although they did not know him yet, yet they did come to know him and they then became a part of a community that would flip the world on its literal head. And so we see these men transformed in verse 37, where it says, now when they heard these, they were cut to the heart and said, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So the question is how? How did men who started from not, not knowing, they were perplexed and confused to now on their knees begging to know more of God? And yes, it was the power of the Holy Spirit, but I also believe it was the willingness, the boldness and the love that Peter had and the 11 apostles had for these men to know God. Their hearts were changed and their eyes were opened through the correction and conviction um, that they felt. And I think this is one of the many reasons that the early church was so transformative. See, the question is, where did they start? They started with those who either knew better should have known better or professed to know better. See, they started from the inside out, not the outside in. They started with those who knew God already. Are we doing the same? Are we loving those around us in a 1 Corinthians 13 type of manner? Because the truth is, y'all, there is no way on earth that we can reach people who are far and do not know God if we do not love the people who are right in front of us who already know him because the reality is they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And so the early church lasted because they loved one another and they sacrificed for one another. And so we pick up in verse 42. And now that I've literally spent literally all of my time talking about everything but the actual section I am supposed to talk about, <laughs> um, we are going to finally answer the million dollar question that you have all been wondering and why it was that the church was so transformative. And I believe it is because they spoke to, relied upon, and were in constant awe of the Holy Spirit they had within them. They were united together through the blood of the lamb and they sacrificed for those who could never do anything for them in return. Scripture says that they prayed, 
met daily in the temple and awe fell upon every soul. They acknowledged that the Holy Spirit was a being who was on the move. They realized that if it were not for his grace and his mercy, for his conviction and for his comfort, his authority and his peace, there would be no church. See, there would be no them if it were not for him. They knew that he was their voice of truth. He was their strength. He was their, that he was their power. And ultimately he was their greatest asset. And while they knew these things about him, they never became accustomed to the truth of who he was. No, scripture says that awe fell upon every soul. Awe, a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. And it was through all that the unthinkable was done, that the unimaginable was seen and the unspeakable was given the voice as loud as a roaring lion. And so it was through the relying of the Holy Spirit that this church's foundation was built upon. And ultimately, it was the reason that the church was so transformative because they built their lives on the one who would never change, he would never waver, and he would never fail him because this is the spirit that raised their savior from the dead, defeated death, and now bridged the gap for them between God. And they were transformed by the Holy Spirit. But that's not it. They were also united by the blood of the lamb. So what does that mean? They were in daily fellowship with one another where they allowed their belief in Christ to be what united them, not their similarities. See, this church was the first multi-ethnic group the planet has ever seen because the way that it used to work was that people stayed within their same tribes, they stayed within their same background. But now, all of a sudden at Shavuot, we see these Christians and they are gathering people from different backgrounds and they are gathering people who are nothing like them because they are gathering people who find their victory in Christ Jesus, not what is the same about them. They live together in the formal aspects, but they also live together in the informal, AKA they live together in the good, the bad, and the ugly. So nothing else mattered. It didn't matter, it didn't matter who you were, didn't matter what you did, didn't matter if you were the lowliest of the low or the highest of the high, because in that moment, they recognized that each and every person was an image bearer of Christ. They realized that they realized that the value that they had once been given, the value that they had been given people, it is now from God and it is not from things that are in vain. See, they invested and loved one another because they realized that apart from one another, there would be no church. And if not through the church, how will the glory of the Lord be seen? And so they united themselves through the blood of the lamb. But that's not the only thing they did. No, they sacrificed for those who could never do anything for them in return. And I think the key of that is the people who they sacrificed for. See, they were willing to give up anything and everything if that meant it met the needs of the people around them. They knew what it was like to be cast out of society. They knew what it was like to be excluded. And so instead of doing the thing that everybody did to them, which we often find ourselves doing. No, they did the thing that they wished would have been done for them. C.S. Lewis says that love others as if you already loved them. Don't waste your time on whether you love your neighbor, but act as if you did. Because if you behave as you love someone, then you will presently come to love him. See, it's the verb of love that brings alignment, not the adjective of love. We are called to love our neighbor. All right. Y'all stay with me right here. 
We are called to love our neighbor, and oftentimes I think we're a little more pharisaical, I just made that up, but pharisaical than we care to admit. And what do I mean by this? I think that unfortunately we have created a mold within Christianity, and if people do not fit that mold, I think that we make it hard sometimes for them to come into the love of Christ. I think that we have created a mold, and if believers do not fit within, if they do fit, I'm sorry, we've created a mold, and if believers do fit within that mold, then they are all of a sudden our neighbor, and I will sacrifice for them. And I think that that's what we've done. And if we are not, if we're not careful, y'all, Cancel culture can be all over Christian culture if we allow it. There's an unspoken ranking of sins. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it. There's an unspoken ranking of sins that we have created. There is the unexpected and the unspeakable, and there's the unacceptable, but we can work with it. <laughs> and, and those who fall into the unspeakable are oftentimes deemed as unlovable, meaning that they are not pursued and they are not worth sacrificing for. And I know, I know I just stepped on a few toes. I know it's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like, we don't do that. We love all people. And I want to challenge you. <laughs> and I'm going to say, maybe, maybe you do. But the next question I'm going to ask you is I want you to look at your circle of friends. And I want you to ask yourself, are y'all stories really that different? And if they're not that different, then I hate to say it, but I believe that you might have fallen into the mold of Christianity. And I say that because I also have fallen into the mold of Christianity. But let me tell you what the early church did not do. <laughs> they did not fall into this mold of, of Christianity. No, what they did is they looked just like Jesus. They reached the lowliest of the low. And just like Jesus sacrificed for people who would never, ever love him, they gave to people who would never be able to do for them. And so what we have to do is we have got to sacrifice for the people who cannot do for us because you know what the truth is? There is no greater love, y'all. There is no greater love than one who lays his life down for his friend. Are we laying our lives down for the people who might not ever come to know Jesus? Okay, you're probably thinking that is great in all, Jania, but where in the heck does this leave us? Well, <laughs> a little encouragement. Only difference between us and the early church? We got the living, breathing word of God. There is nothing different. As a matter of fact, we have more to transform this world than they could have ever imagined. We have technology. We have quick ways of travel. Did I say that we have the living and breathing word of God in our midst? And the truth is that this book is filled with testimonies of his goodness and who he is. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with a choice. <laughs> because the testimonies that we have been given, and because he is the same God that he was yesterday, the same God that he is today, and the same God that he will forever be, everything that has occurred to these people in Acts can, and I believe it will occur in this building. If we build our foundation on Christ in Christ alone, we love one another the way that Jesus loved us and we sacrifice. We do not sacrifice for people who can do for me, but we sacrifice for those who will never be able to do anything for me in return. So it leaves you with the choice simple question, but the hardest question I believe that you'll ever have to answer, and it is, are you willing? Are you willing to pick up your cross and follow him? Because the truth is the Holy Spirit 
is willing and he is ready. And he is ready for his sons and his daughters to want to be filled with him so that they may be able to transform the world around him and once again, flip it on its head. So thank you, Jesus.